0: To. Verse 1 For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, is there anything God does not know? No. He has the wisdom and all of the knowledge and treasures, and we keep finding them in the Word of God. We talked Sunday night about the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and discussed the fact that there were three mysteries that we talked about. A mystery is what? It's something that hadn't been known in the past, but now we know the answer. Okay? We've seen the last chapter. And we know the answer. And so that's a mystery. Tonight we're going to look at two more mysteries. Number one is the. Wait a minute. We looked at two mysteries Sunday night, right? Yeah. Tonight we're looking at the third mystery. Uh, the third mystery is the mystery of the wisdom of God, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. Turn there with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. The Apostle Paul was raised in the city of Antioch, southern, southeast part of Turkey. When he was very, very young, uh, his parents either took him or sent him to Jerusalem, and he went to school there. What we would now call the, the, the University of Jerusalem. He studied at the feet of the Rabbi Gamaliel. Gamaliel is the one who, when they were condemning Jesus and condemning his disciples for preaching Jesus, brought up the fact that there had been other people who had claimed to be Messiah in the past. And he lists two different examples. And he says, when they were killed and taken out of the picture, then their followers scattered and the movement died. We better not take a chance... On fighting against God. So leave his disciples alone. And we'll just watch them. See what happens to the movement. Because we all saw Jesus get crucified. He's talking to the Sanhedrin. To the chief priest. They didn't all like what he said. But they agreed that's what they ought to do. And so they call the disciples in. And instead of having them beaten... They simply said, we adjure you, we tell you, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And Simon Peter doesn't know any better. You know, he's just a little ignoramus fisherman from up in Galilee, city of Capernaum. He says, now, is it better for us to obey you guys or to obey God? (laughs) Well, that didn't go over real big. Because they thought they were speaking for God. I know you'll be God. And uh, Gamaliel is the one who brought up the fact that we, we better leave him alone and just see what happens. I can't wait to get to heaven to see if Gamaliel's there. Anyway, Paul was one of his students, and Paul was studying either to be a rabbi, a teacher of the law, or a lawyer. They had some of each. He was a brilliant student. Widely known and trusted. And so when the Christians really um, began to grow and and began to spread their gospel, the Sanhedrin said to this young man, Saul, said, We give you the authority to go find all the Christians and bring them back so that we can judge them and imprison them. And so Paul's on his way to Damascus after he pretty much cleaned out Jerusalem. Uh, Paul was probably the one who, or Saul, was probably the one who brought the charges against Stephen. He held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death. But Saul was probably the investigator who finally got him to put him on trial. And he's on his way to Damascus, and Jesus appears to him. I um, mean, just boom, blinds him with his glory. And says, "Why are you kicking against the pricks?" Now, Paul understood what that meant because he'd seen oxen all up and down the Damascus Road, and guys walking along with little, uh, not little, big ox goads poking the oxen in the back of the leg, and oxen a lot of times when you get poked, they'd kick against it, and they that just drive it in deeper. And Jesus, says, why are you doing that? And uh, Paul says, "Who art thou?" And then recognizes, I don't think he knows it's Jesus yet, although he may have. But he recognizes that anybody who can appear to him in this blinding light is somebody with more authority than he has. And so he says, Who art thou, Lord? And at that moment, Jesus reveals himself. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus got his attention. Paul got saved. Three days later, he got baptized, got his sight back. And now he's gone to Corinth. And he says, or he's writing to Corinth. He's been in Corinth, started that church. And, and uh, Corinth's a big trade city. And uh, so Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, one of the reasons he writes that to them, and one of the reasons that's true in his life, is because he had just come from Athens, Greece. And in Athens, he had seen an altar to the unknown God. And he got up and he said, You guys worship all kinds of gods around here. And and the God that you don't know who he is, I've come to declare him unto you. And he preached to him Jesus. And he did it with great wisdom and great oratorical skill. And you can find the message in the book of Acts. And so when when he finishes, some of them just say, yeah, right. And they walk away. And others say, that's really interesting. We'd like to hear more about this. But the response was not what Paul hoped it would be. And so he goes to Corinth and he realizes that wisdom and oratorical skill is not what is needed to present the gospel. What's needed to present the gospel? Number one, the gospel. And number two, the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Those two things. So he says... attend church here because I, I am able to convince you that what the Bible has to say is true. No. If you're going to be a, a part of the congregation, going to be a member of this church, I want you to do it because the power of the Holy Spirit drew you here. And because the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, you, you know that He is in control and it's His Word and, and you, you want to learn more about Him. said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, or those that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known... The wisdom of God in this mystery, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But everybody stops the sentence at the end of that verse. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But the next verse starts with, but. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's what he said in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, who being God... Thought it not robbery or something to be grasped at and held on to. To be equal with God. But made himself a servant. Made in the likeness of man. Became obedient. Obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. That doesn't make any sense to the world. You will not find any books written on leadership from a worldly perspective that teaches you to die for your employees. Teaches you to give everything not for the company, but for the people. No. They don't view it that way. But God does. In fact, Jesus taught if you're going to be the leader... You need to be the servant of all. If you're going to be chief among them, you must be the servant. That's one of the things I love about this church. We've got so many deacons and deaconesses. You say, really? I thought we only had two deacons. No, 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 no. We have two men who have been ordained to the ministry of deacon and are on the deacon board. Yeah. But we've got lots of deacons. A deacon is what? A deacon is a servant who serves out of love for the master. Okay. Yeah. You see, you've got a servant that you go down and he owes you money, and so you buy him for however much he owes you, and he contracts to work for you for up to seven years. Could be less than seven years, but never more than seven years. And at the end of the p- period of time that he's hired for, his debt is paid, and he can go free. He can go his way. He can go back to home and do what he wants to do. But there are servants. Dulas is the, is the word. The word deacon uh, is picture of the of the dulas. The dulas is the guy who served seven years and said, "You know what? I never had this good." My old job. I never had it this good at home. If you let me, I'll stay here and I'll work for you the rest of my life. I'll serve you. And the master says, well, people think you still owe me money if you keep working for me. And the guy said, no, no. You take a a punch and poke a hole in my ear at the doorpost. Pretty good size hole. One that won't seal up again. And, uh. Then everybody know, I serve you because I love you. And I just want to be close to your family. We have several ladies and several men in this church who serve God for that very reason. And they do it unknown, unseen often. And they do it because they love God. Whoa! Oh the spirit of christ the mind of christ so what's the mystery of god what i mean what's the wisdom of god in this mystery wow it's that jesus would come and die for us it's the the wisdom of god is the mystery of salvation because god didn't have to send his son god didn't have to allow us to Be a part of his family so that we could serve and fellowship with him and live with him forever? No. I'll go ahead and tell you, that doesn't make much sense. I mean, for God to allow Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives to escape the flood and continue this race of sinful people does not make very good sense. Unless you see it from God's perspective. God loves us. He just loves us. For the life of me, I can't figure out why. That doesn't mean I don't appreciate it. I like it a lot. That's the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even a hidden wisdom which the Lord ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so while no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no man in his heart has understood the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. The Holy Spirit revealed it to us. Revealed it to us in the Word. And that brings us to the next mystery. The next mystery is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So flip back a few pages, or forward, backward, whatever, toward the back of the book. A few pages until you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn to verse 50. There's 58 verses in this chapter. Turn to verse 50, and let's check it out. Got it? Getting closer, though, aren't you? Okay. And for those of you who are reading on your iPhones or iPads or whatever. I know you gotta charge them up every once in a while, crystal no, okay. <laughs> no, okay, Jake, you need to come sit by your mom so you can find the passage, not not tonight, but soon. <laughs> okay. First Corinthians fifteen fifty. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Is that clear enough for everybody? We can't do it. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Well, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for all my sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So death has lost its sting. And gr- the grave. Oh, the graves holding the bodies of my mom and dad, my brother Ron, my grandma. In fact, all my grandparents, I guess. But do you remember that verse back there before? One where he said... I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He's not talking about the nursery. (laughs) Okay? He's not talking about church nursery because he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. You see, In some nurseries, perhaps they let the kids lay there and fuss and scream until right before the service ends. And when they hear the organ begin to play or the piano begin to play, then they hurry and get all the babies changed right quick (coughs) at the last trump. But that's not what he's talking about because he said the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. So let's finish up. End of the chapter. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, now what's the therefore, therefore? In light of the fact that the rapture's coming, that we're going to live with Christ forever. We're going to have immortal, incorruptible bodies. We'll never again know pain. We'll not know sickness. We'll not know death. It's going to be fantastic. Therefore, in light of all that, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. No. Everything you do, God makes note of. And if it's done for him, he, he, I, I don't know if he gets excited any more about it or not, but I kind of think he does. You know, he sits there at the right hand of the throne of God with the angels hovering around saying, holy, holy, holy. And I think Jesus every once in a while says, watch this, watch this. One of my kids is going to do this. Watch what my, watch what my, watch what my son does. And The angel says, whoa. Why did he do that? Jesus said, because He loves me. Because He loves me. By the way, write that in the book. (laughs) Write that in the book. Because we're going to be judged out of the book. Okay? The mystery of the rapture of the church. You see, Brother Casey, the word rapture never appears in Scripture. You're right about that. But the concept is taught over and over and over again. John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, that's where I want you to be. Yeah, that's a misquote. But you got the picture, right? And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. There's plenty of those already. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. How is that going to happen? Well, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The mystery of the rapture of the church. You say, well, where's the rapture? Where's the word rapture come from? If it's not found in Scripture, well, have you ever been enraptured by something? I mean, anything ever just struck you as absolutely fantastic? I mean, unbelievable? I would hope so. When I start up, and I look around, and y'all are going with me, and I see Ron and Mom and Dad, right after I punch Ron one more time, (laughs) I'm going to be totally enraptured. Whoa! Going home with Jesus. That doesn't happen very often, by the way. Not yet, at least. Enoch was walking with Jesus one time. They were talking, walking, and talking. And uh, apparently, it got pretty late in the day because uh, Enoch said, Oh, my goodness. There's no way I'm going to get home before dark. And uh, Jesus said, come on home with me. we got supper. And Enoch was not. Scripture says God translated him. Okay? Well, how do you translate something? You take English and translate it into Spanish so people, Spanish-speaking people can understand it. Okay? Well, he took a mortal man in a corruptible body and he translated him. So that he would never again know death. He'd never again be corruptible. He would be immortal. And he took him home with him. And if you all ever hear Randy Casey got translated, it was not one of my messages translated into a foreign language. It was me. Okay? Watch for me. I'll be there. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, Father, Absolutely incredible that you love us. Dear Lord, how can our hearts help but respond to love like that? Dear Lord, I ask you to help our love for you to grow stronger in order that we might seek to please you more and more. And when your Holy Spirit points out something in our life that is disappointing, We'll just, we'll reject it and turn away from it immediately. Some of those things have an incredible hold on us. We're addicted. But your love and the power of your Holy Spirit and your word is enough to free us. Thank you for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. I love